On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out of Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Saturday. Delighted to be joined, as always, via Zoom by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? Yeah, good, thanks. Also, we're delighted to be joined this week by INM's rugby guru, Rory O'Connor. Rory, hello. Hey, Will. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Yeah, great to have you. It's a big week, obviously. Ireland, England this weekend. Uh, Andy Farrell saw I got off to a good start in the Autumn Nations Cup with a fairly dominant win over Wales. But but this is the big one that everyone is kind of has been waiting to see. Um, for you, like how important is it in terms of the development of the team and Andy Farrell as the head coach? You know, I know it's the Autumn Nations Cup. It's not quite a Six Nations game. It's probably a step above a World Cup warm-up match. But you know, how much stock are you going to put in what you see at the weekend in terms of like projecting going forward? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, before that World Cup warm-up against England, I would have said, ah, this doesn't really matter. But if you go out and play as badly and get as dominated and, and, and you know, concede a record number of points or lose by record margin, like that definitely had a damaging effect on the team. So for all that it was a World Cup warm-up, the way it went meant it mattered, if you know what I mean. So I think mm. it's important that Ireland are competitive on Saturday. I, I don't see this team winning at Twickenham. Um, I'm not sure it really matters if they do or they don't. Obviously, you always want to beat England, but I think there's only 14 Irish teams have ever won at that venue. So this one is very inexperienced. It's missing its key man leader. Like the, the excuses are there for them. You just hope that they front up, that they don't. the game doesn't go the way of the other games against England. I mean, at the end of the day, no one will remember who won the Autumn Nations Cup. It'll be a kind of a novelty quiz question in a couple of years' time. It is a, a convenient set of fixtures just to fill a gap in the schedule because South Africa, Japan, Australia weren't able to come to Dublin. And you've got to look at it for what it is. But for the players who are going out there, it's an opportunity to play for Ireland. It's an opportunity to nail down a jersey and it's an opportunity to perform. And that can't be taken too lightly. So I'm probably contradicting myself a little bit, but I think the performance is important. The results, not so much. But I think for Ireland and their development, it's really important that they don't get another hosing against the English. Yeah, Luke, is that how you see it? Obviously, you know, if Ireland win or 
if it's a competitive game, you can always be like, well, it's a na- it's the Autumn Nations Cup. You know, our team's really going hell for leather. But if it turns out how some of these other trips to Twickenham have turned out, then it does become a big deal. Like Rory was saying, the manner of how the game plays out could be much more important ultimately than whether Ireland sneak a win or whether they lose narrowly. Yeah, look, do you know, I'm, I'm more coming to the opinion the longer I... The longer I'm looking at international rugby games, the more I think nearly every every game matters, I think. Um, you know, I think Rhodes made a really good point there about, you know, how that, how that you know, pre-World Cup um, game really impacted Ireland's, uh, well, I thought Ireland's World Cup campaign. Um, they never really got over the hump of it. And I think you have such small windows to, to really find your feed and to get a bit of rhythm and understanding that every game takes on a very important, um, uh, a very important kind of role, I suppose, in how you perform in the future. And I think there's a few really key guys who are, you know, this will be a real baptism of fire for them. I'm thinking Caelan Doris, you know, playing in Twickenham is, is, is a big ask, and he's been brilliant so far. Um, but that's a huge ask coming up against and trying to impact the game against a, a very, very good English pack who've been really dominant against Ireland the last couple of times they played. Um, you know, and I think. Um, you know, Ross Byrne as well will have bad memories from 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 pre-World Cup. Um, and look, not all of that is down to him. And I do feel for him like he's, he seems to be getting a second proper shot in, in, in a long time against an English pack that just make, if you're an out half or, or, or a scrum half, like if the English pack do what they did to Ireland the last few times they played, it'll be a really long day at the office and there's nothing he can do about it. Like nothing. So... Um, I hope that, you know, if it goes how it has previously, that the coaches don't completely rule him out based on that because he's been excellent for a long period of time. Um, so, yeah, look, it is going to be interesting, Will. It, I still think it's very important to do well. And they've picked a very exciting team, despite what I'm sure we'll cover later on. Um, they're being pretty much, well, not that many. It's the Irish Barbarians is what I'm calling them. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, it's... Um, if I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really big test. And I thought there was lots of really good things about last weekend, even though Wales weren't that good, you know. So um, I'm excited to see how they how they perform. Yeah, Rory, we'll start off with, with Ross Byrne and his selection. Obviously, he wasn't involved last weekend. They, uh, Andy Farrell opted for Billy Burns on the bench, which we thought maybe at the time indicated he was shifting that way. But ultimately, whether or not the knock to Billy Burns has played any role or if it was always the intention, uh, you, you might be able to, to, to give some carry on that. But in terms of Ross Byrne, I know you had a good piece during the week about, you know, this is maybe the start of looking at life after Sexton, like Ross Byrne starting a big game or someone other than Johnny Sexton starting a big game against a, a top tier one side. You know, I know the panel you had accompanying the piece, bar maybe Paddy Jackson in South Africa and Joey Carberry one test against Australia. It's pretty much just been against like tier two teams. So this is a really interesting, I suppose, bit of exposure to see whether or not Ross Byrne or Billy Burns when he comes on is equipped to deal with this kind of opposition. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, I think it's the first time in is it nine years that Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton, one of them isn't playing against England. So it's the kind of changing of a guard a little bit. Although, you know, I wouldn't rule out either of them or both of them being uh, in place during the Six Nations when they play play next time. You know, um, like Sexton's been the mainstay. He's the first name of the team sheet for the last, you know, pretty much since Ron Nagara retired, and even a little bit before that, he um, he almost demands to be included in every game and really resting him was, was, was always almost a last resort for Joe Schmidt. I think it only happened really once for a, for a big game and that was at Australia first test and they even had the kind of the safety net of being able to rescue the series with Johnny starting in those two games. So it's huge for Ross Byrne because Ross Byrne has 
not convinced this, at this level yet. I mean, he hasn't probably Luke tried. He hasn't had a huge opportunity at that game in Twickenham the last time. I don't. I think he only had one afternoon's training session or something with the team before that game. I think they did a lot of fitness that week. They they tried to take take Twickenham on the fly, which in retrospect was one of the biggest mistakes of the of the entire era. And then apparently, you know, he was pretty much ignored after that, and you know, cut loose from the World Cup squad as a result, which was pretty cruel on a guy who was kind of dropped in and not given a proper opportunity. I, I think part of the reason this week um, is that Billy Burns probably couldn't need the team all week. So even if they wanted to pick him, at least Ross Byrne was in the meetings from, like they're in a bubble there. So they were in Saturday, Sunday, they would have meetings, they would, they would have been preparing, they've been on the pitch all week. And I presume Ross Byrne has spent most of the week leading the team from 10. So he's given a proper opportunity to lead the team. Um, he's reliant on a lot of things going right around them. But at the same time, there's a certain amount that will be within his own control. And he's got to, He's got to play this like he played against Ulster in that European quarterfinal last year when he, you know, he stepped up in Sexton's absence and led Leinster, a, a shaky Leinster performance that day to a semi-final. He, he's, I think he's got a way to go at this level, but at the same time, he's got to start somewhere. He's got his brother re- breathing down his neck, shooting the lights out every, every week for Leinster um, in the Pro 14. That can't be a comfortable situation for him. Burns did all right when he came on last week. And obviously, his longtime rival Joey Carberry is the same age as him. You know, everyone keeps saying that as soon as he, if he ever gets fit again, you know, he'll be straight back in there. So he's got to make the most of this opportunity because they don't come around that often. And um, yeah, I'm not convinced that he's the answer at ten, but he's able to run a game plan. And if if Ireland can keep it relatively simple for him, and he can play with a bit of confidence and get his kicking game going, he's a good player. I'm not, as I say, I'm not sure it, 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 he's at this level, but. You know, we can only there's only one way to find out, and that's probably what I like about this Garden team is the farthest trusted lads like Ross Byrne to to see if they're able to go with this level, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Luke, like when you're watching the game this weekend, like what what would what would you need to see from Ross Byrne in this game to to kind of give you an inkling into whether he is the answer or a potential answer to be playing for Ireland week in, week out? Like what 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 kind of things would you have on the list if, that you want to see? My expectation is that the pack will have a difficult day out. Um if England defend anything like they defended the last couple of times they played, right? And based on that uh, assumption, I think I will be expecting a solid kicking game, you know, not to put the team under more pressure, but to try and alleviate pressure at different times. Uh, That's something that I think is really important for a top-class international 10. I thought it was actually the key thing between, you know, Sexton, bar the kicking from the deck, when Sexton kind of went from, you know, lower percentages to higher percentages from the tee, you know, that was a, a big reason for him being included in the team. But also his kicking from hand just became outstanding and something that you could just really rely on all the time. Um, so I'm not looking, you know, for too much creative. Like if there's look, if there's opportunities to be creative with a chip or, or a grubber, that's great. But I'm just looking for solid open unders, solid cross field kicks, solid clearances to uh to touch when the pack are exhausted, if they have to take a few kicking, you know, pick and goes, if they're under a lot of pressure, that he's able to find space somewhere behind or find ground. So that's what I'm really looking for from him. And in terms of, you know, play playmaking, there may not be opportunities to do that if you're not getting go forward possession. So what do you do then? And aside from kicking well, you know, you will have to try and hang on to the ball at certain stages or you may be chasing the game. You still can't throw the like. I think if you're not going forward, and that may be the case, you've got to play percentage plays. You don't have to shoot the lightouts. It might not be on to do that. And sometimes I think people can get like, particularly in the playmaking positions when you're younger, you feel under pressure to, you know, try and get in the team next week by creating something that's just not there. 
And sometimes the way to, to, to create things, you know, when you're struggling is actually just to hang on to the ball and wait for a mistake from the opposition team. This England team will give away penalties because they're so aggressive. So hanging on to the ball sometimes is, is what you need to do. Uh, that could be, you know, saying to yourself, well, look, you know, we can't have the forwards take the ball up every time here, picking goals. We're going to have to take some pressure and take a play here and there. It might be as simple as running a quick, you know, a switch with Bundy Key or Chris Farrell, just getting some a quick go forward, getting easy ball, easy possessions over the gain line for the team. Um, and that can be a way to build into the game as well. So that's probably what I'm looking for, Will. It takes a mature character. It takes someone who's, who's comfortable in their position, who knows what they bring to the table to be able to do that and to be comfortable enough running simple plays when you're under pressure. Um, so that's probably what I'm looking for. And I think all those things probably require a cool head and a maturity, um, which will be difficult for him given that he hasn't played a huge amount at this level. But that's what's required. And there's lots of competition for that role behind Johnny at the moment, as Rudd's alluded to. So to my mind, he's got to mature up pretty quick. Tough ask in a tough place, but that's international rugby. And I think he's well capable of doing it because I do think he has a good head in his shoulders. Yeah, and interestingly, he'll be paired. He's paired with Jameson Gibson Park, someone who he's played with a huge amount of Leinster. I know you wonder if maybe that was one of the factors Andy Farrell considered when he when he opted for uh, Gibson Park over Conor Murray, who's on the bench. Rory, another interesting, I suppose it was enforced, but it's still interesting. Is James Ryan taking the captaincy? It's something that's been mooted for a long time, and, and it, when it kind of came up after the World Cup, a lot of people were wondering whether that would be the right time for James Ryan. I suppose the transition now kind of is very reminiscent of when Brian O'Driscoll took over in 2002 when Keith Wood was injured and it ultimately was the changing of the guard. We didn't maybe realise it fully at the time because Keith Wood was in and around the team for another year. Do you think we're looking at something similar now? Do you think that Ryan could be the captain for the long haul or do you you expect this just to be a temporary assignment? I think it'll be temporary. I think Johnny Sexton, well, it's hard to know. It does seem like Andy Farrell has kind of nailed his colours to the Johnny Sexton mask for the next while at least, you know, and... I can see why, in some ways, although I, I don't agree with the decision. I think I think Ryan is going to be the captain, for, you know, fitness permitting at the next two World Cups. So why not give him this opportunity? And and maybe this is the way to do it: is, is get him in there for twicking him away. You know, he's still he's still relatively young, even though he's got a lot of caps at this stage. He's still um, kind of probably finding his way within the setup. But they all look to him like he's the guy. Other than Sexton, I think he's the guy they all respect in terms of his ability on the pitch, his, his ability to get go forward and. It's a huge day for him. It's a, it's a huge honour and, and it, it's really important he doesn't get overawed by it. And They haven't surrounded him with experience, which I think if, if Joe Schmidt was picking this team for this weekend, Murray definitely would have started. You know, I think Ian Henderson probably would have started as well and he'd be talking about how he's got the Ulster captain beside him and the Munster captain behind him and, um, and, think, and Conor Murray with his uh, 70, 80 caps alongside Ross Byrne. But Barrels, it's, it's a fairly um, bold selection across the board. You know, I mean, you know, when Gibson Park, I've written this for tomorrow, but when Gibson Park puts the ball into the scrum, he's got two caps. Ronan Keller is striking it. He's got two caps. Going back to Kane, sorry, two starts. Going back to Caelan Doris, he's got, this is his third start or his fourth start. Um, you know, Gibson Park's second start, out to Ross Byrne's second start, and then the, the fullbacks in the second start, and the James Lowe's in the second start as well. So there's a lot of inexperienced players through the team, and even first time captain needing them. So that's why it's such a daunting. Um, outing for this team and it's a daunting day for Ryan but Ryan has also got his primary job to look after of, of taking on the best second row arguably outside South Africa in, in the world and probably the best second row in the world and a fella who's dominated in the last couple of times he's played him in the Toje so there's a lot going on for James Ryan this week and it's tough but we all think he's ready for it we all think he's able for it I think and um, I think get on with it you know if he's going to be your man in, in, in France and he's going to be your man in 2027 and um, 
get him the, the experience under his belt now. And even if they're bad experiences, they'll all stand to him in the end. Yeah, Luke, it's an interesting one when, when you're picking captain, especially someone around like James Ryan's age, because people kind of look to most to O'Driscoll when he took it on or Sam Warburton. And while they did have success, they're both on the record saying that they hated the captaincy or, or didn't really feel like they were that comfortable with it when they got it early in their career. And that in, in some ways, they almost wish they got, you know, they didn't want that burden. I know it worked out well, but maybe personally, they didn't know if they were comfortable with it at the time. Like, is there any argument to that? Or, or are you happy for a player, James Ryan's age and experience to take it on? It's not about being happy with the role. It's whether you're right for the team. And I think he is right for the team. Um, I think he, his age profile is excellent. You know, he could be with us for the next two at least World Cups. Uh, easily out, you would think, you know, injury injury permitting. He has a good head in his shoulders. He gives a good interview. He sees the potholes here and there in uh, when, when he's giving, um, you know, when, he, when he's giving interviews. So he's not going to say anything too controversial. But all at the same time, I feel like he exudes confidence and, and surety in his own ability. So he has that part of it. I think, you know, the, the key... The key thing for him, I think, at this point is that I think he's established. I, I would the one thing I would say with 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 Rhodes or disagree with with Rhodes is that I actually think he gets better in in the shitty days out. I do. I think he he was unbelievable against Saracens over there. Uh, he was unbelievable against England the last two times. He was the only guy when they were really getting smashed. Who like if you think back, think of some of those carries. The, the carry the last time against Saracens, he had a few big hits. He was getting stuck into guys. Like I thought, I think he's the kind of guy who gets better on, on the big days out. So, to my mind, yes, there's going to be extra work getting you know in, involved in terms of thinking about what he's going to say to the guys before. I think you can do a really good job, and you can give lots of people a lift. Some people don't require it, but some people do love a big speech from a captain. He can take his cues. I hope he's talked to ex-captains, you know, like like Keith Wood, Drico, or or Paul O'Connell, who were all brilliant captains. Even Leo could be a great guy to figure out, you know, what's he going to say before? And you do want to have your own, you know, style or, or whatever, but definitely, like, Paul O'Connell, I'm sure he put a lot of work into those words, you know, before halftime, you know, before the, the start of the games and the Friday speech. So I think you should do that. And that's a bit of a burden, but I think if you do it well, it, it's a big boost for lots of people. And then the rest of it is just your own performance. Like, he's, I feel like he's smart enough to have his pulse on the game and, and have the right decisions, whether they're going for goal or whether they're going for touch, this kind of stuff. I think he'll make good calls there. He looks like a cool operator. Um, but the rest of it, just do what you do. Like, even if it's a tough day at the office, you know, what he's done previous, to my mind, he's perfectly suited to it. Because like O'Connell, like O'Driscoll, like Wood, even when the Irish team wasn't playing well, those guys seem to find a new level. And they never really try to do too much extra at times. It just kind of, by, by being calm, by being assured, by being themselves which i think he can do they performed brilliantly and off off the back of that i thought they lifted the teams they played in to heights maybe that lots of people in the team didn't believe they were capable of i think he has that ability uh i know it's a lot to shoulder but you know and he might not enjoy it doesn't matter to my mind he's the right guy for the job so he needs to he needs to accept that now and move on and um uh, yeah i think it's a i was delighted to see farrell pick him because I think he's he's looks like a standout guy to me. He looks brilliant. I I, I like everything about the guy. Yeah, just one thing on, on what Luke mentioned there in terms of the you know the in-game decision making that like that the captain has to you know take charge of. And interestingly, like in the Welsh game, Peter Manny, I don't know if this was just the camera angles or, or what have you. He looked like the one making those decisions. Like there was a, a look to Conor Murray, like and there was an eyebrow raised at a post. Uh, like so, do you think it's going to be a bit of a committee there? Or, or, or was that just a one-off in that moment? What, what, do you, what did you make of that? Or, or am I reading it wrong? 
Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think Orty did kind of get the wrong end of the stick. So maybe the cameraman was going straight to Peter and, and Peter was part of the decision-making committee. I mean, they did, you know, when, when it was in Paris, I know Peter wasn't playing, I don't think, but um, like Sexton and Ryan made the decisions between them. That big decision that got, got heavily criticised before half-time, that was a that was a, a joint decision between um, Sexton and Ryan. So I think you look to, you know, like Peter Armani's a strong line-out forward. If you, you know, But like Ryan is, is making the calls so I think it, he'll he'll look to for support where he needs support, but he needs to be his own man as well. And but I, like I think the coaches need to take a bit of pressure off there as well. And if they want if they want a point before half time, they get that message on. They've got runners. They can get you know it's an empty stadium. You can scream at them if you need to. Um, you know that 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 sort of stuff. You'll have a feel for it. But the coaches could do it helping him out as well. So like he's coach he's captain teams the whole way up. I don't think that's you know I know it's it's a lot higher pressure. At the end of the day, I I think they'll be going for the corner. A bit more because you know this, this tournament again doesn't necessarily matter as much, and it has been the team strategy for a year. Then again, or for a, for a good while, but then again, they, they took a lot of points against Wales, so I'm contradicting myself again. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't have any fears of him there, and I think if a man he feels like he's something to say, he'd be well able to to get his opinion across. And, and it, you know, I think the forum forum is there for him as well. And um, there's not many experienced players in that team around Ryan, so I think Omani will be someone he leans on a bit. And Stander, Keith Earls as well. I suppose dealing with referees has been a big thing about Johnny Sexton's captaincy and people have been very, you know, studying and scrutinising those interactions. So it'll be very interesting to see how James Ryan takes that on because that's kind of a lot of the young captains I mentioned, those Risco, Sam Warburton, th- those guys were guys who, who were very good at dealing with the referee. Uh, one thing now, Luke, as you teed it up earlier, was, uh, and I think Rory, you tweeted it out earlier, a third of the team uh, taking on England this weekend all qualified to the residency rule. It's kind of come full circle on the rule that James Lowe is probably the last player to come in with it now, we probably have the most representation we've ever had in it. Um, well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Rhodes, enjoy your uh, everyone calling you a xenophobe and a. And a <laughs> and it's, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how defensive people are around it. Like it's incredible. It's I, all I did was say that uh, you know it, it's it is remarkable that a third of the team come from abroad and have qualified to residency, and that's all I said. And the reaction is just. <laughs> incredible because people are so defensive about it they either hate it or, or or and a lot of people have convinced themselves that they love it and you know good luck to them but i think it's a pretty shocking indictment on ireland's um opinion of its own players and production lines if 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 that's where we are i know there's a lot of injury at the moment um but i that, you know i think we've discussed it ad nauseum on, on this pod between between the two of us and i certainly don't blame any of the players and i i i think a lot they all merit there, I mean, Quinn Rue deserves his place. He's very good last week. Jay's low, very good last week. Gibson Park, looking forward to seeing him again in this environment. Standard's one of the best players in the team. Aki, you know, no argument with, with Henshaw out and Ringrose out. You, know, you can't argue any of the selections, but as a trend, I know it's, it is probably the peak because the rule has changed. But God, where would we be going if they hadn't changed the rule, you know? Um, yeah, I think all those players have done well for Ireland in the past and, and they, they, they certainly have not individually diminish the jersey but I think you certainly risk devaluing the jersey by having that many players qualify through residency and I I don't see how it's that controversial to say that and it's certainly not xenophobic it's it's like these players have been recruited to play for Ireland it's not a tra- like international sports shouldn't have a transfer market in my opinion I could I couldn't that is you couldn't put it better I think like and I really feel like as well a lot of the time particularly and I don't think Ireland is as guilty of this really but I think in lots of places you know how they've taken advantage of the Pacific Islands particularly stands out. Um, it's basically putting pressure on, 
you know, it's it basically, it, it becomes a money game. It becomes who's the richest, who can afford to, to buy in the players from these places. And they just decimate. And really what it does, it reduces the rugby market. Um, by, and, and, and also, like, I mean, the, the, the key part is, like, you know, if you look at who's on the bench this week, like, is there really a massive difference? Is there, like, you know, so we have Jameson Gibson Park at nine. And again, we don't want to single anyone out, but let's just go through it. We have John Cooney. We have Luke McGrath, who I thought was excellent on the weekend. We have Connor Murray. Uh, we have uh, Marmion. We have Craig Casey. We have, like, so there's loads of quality there. You're really telling me that Jameson Gibson Park is that much better than all those guys, right? Um, you know, at, you know, sorry, at, uh, you know, in terms of James Lowe, James Lowe's position, we've Conway now, who's, you know, not in the mix. Now, I don't know whether he picked up an injury or, or whatever, but Conway's I there. Rotated. Stock, st- yeah, but stock, yeah, but he's rotated, but Stockdale's on the bench. You know, does that sit well with, uh, I, I don't know, like everyone says to me, oh, it's a Leinster thing, but to my mind, I was looking at this, I was thinking, like, how do Munster people feel about, like, Conor Murray now sitting on the bench? For a guy who's come over from New Zealand, like I, it doesn't sit right with me at all. I, I like Quinn Rue, like I don't know, is Ty Byrne injured? Um, you know, but we have lots of other locks that are uh, you know brilliant rugby players, um, and I just don't. It, it doesn't sit like McCluskey's sitting up there on his hole in in Ulster. Sorry, not sitting on his hole, but you know what I mean. He's sitting there. He's going to be watching this game in the weekend. Like he's been brilliant for Ulster for ages. Like I don't know, like. Um, I, I agree with you. I think, does, does it devalue it? I think it probably does. Uh, does it make me a racist? I don't think so. Because again, as you say, these guys have been bought in. And I'm talking about a portion of the economy that is like, there's 120 people play professional rugby really on full-time contracts, probably across the four, four provinces that are really top class guys who have a chance of getting in the team. We're talking about five people. It's not like, I'm not, <laughs> this isn't like a, a policy on like immigration wide. Do you know what I mean? It's not about that. It's, it's about a tiny portion and I just feel like it's a ten, it's a, the, the career horizon as well is like ten years to do this thing, so it's not like you're you're denying someone work like to 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 you know feed their family or to escape some, some kind of dictator or something. It's not that. It just devalues the jersey in a rugby sense, and it's not an indictment against these guys who've you know moved across, who've made a big move across to Ireland, and you know have taken a risk. Um, I just feel like it's a. Oh, the, the, I'm glad that the, it's over. That this trend is probably over, and I just feel like I wonder, you know, who, who's looking after the game here? Have we got like possibly not having that many Irish people really looking after the, the our, our our own players? Does that make this kind of is it more open season now and not picking Irish players? Um, I don't know. It's concerning to me, um, Rose. It's really concerning to me. There's an argument made that, that I keep getting as well that you know that they've all contributed to the community that they live in and the, the provinces they play in. But none of us are against them playing for the provinces. Like I've no problem. Like when they've all been brilliant for the provinces, and I don't. You know that's that's that is club rugby effect, effectively. I know it's representative, but it's club rugby. They're competing against English French teams that are that are also in the recruitment business. That's where you recruit teams for. There is a transfer market there, and they all could have done. They all would have made this. Like Bunyaki would still be a comic legend if he hadn't played for Ireland. In fact, they would have got way more value out of him. Probably, you know, he's a central contract now, so they're not paying as much for him as they used to. But, like, I, I think bring it, some people get in their heads that you're saying, like, that you just want only Irish players in Irish rugby. Like, no, I, I, I think it's really exciting to see Easton Asiba play for Leinster or Marcel Coetzee scoring four tries for Ulster. Deadly, you know, that's absolutely, that's, that's where the market is. But the international rugby is supposed to be the best players from each country playing against each other. And obviously, people will move, and we live in a very uh, open and market economy. But these players have all been recruited specifically to play for Ireland. 
They've all been identified as target transfer targets, and they've been recruited in. And you can't slag the Scots about their kill to kill Kiwis, um, and then think you know close your eyes and, and because Ireland are doing it. And like Matt, your the barbarians remark he said like Matthias Moroni, the I think he played against you in the, that World Cup quarter final in 2015, tweeted at the weekend saying that you know this is the Ireland barbarians when James Lowe scored his first try. I was delighted for James Lowe as an individual, like he did really well in his debut. He said the rule is stupid. You know, I I agree with him. Yeah, well, I think you guys have, I suppose, put it quite well there. What do you, what do you think, Will? Yeah, like personally, I'm glad the rule has come to an end with the five years. But I don't, I don't have a huge. I never had a huge issue with them qualifying with the rules that were in place. Like, did I think the rule was great? No, but I, I, I don't really have much of an issue now that they're qualified. I have no issue with like James and Gibson Park starting over an Irish or a guy who's born in Ireland. I, I, I don't really, to be honest. But I understand why people would prefer to see Irish players there who've come through the system. But with the rules that are in place, the guys qualified, I'm glad they've, they've changed it. And I do agree in particular with the point about some of the Pacific Islands countries that have been exploited over the years. There's a good documentary out that Daniel uh, Leo has, has fronted that is definitely worth the watch. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and I also fundamentally disagree with people who think that like if you do criticize it that you're like a racist or some sort of like right-wing xenophobe like it's 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 not that at all that's right like it's a rugby thing that people want to see players who come through the system so i i specifically don't like that kind of criticism but personally i have no issue with the guys who qualified playing and starting and now that they have qualified yeah i can appreciate that i mean i look at I, I, look we all want the irish team to do the best they can um like there's just not there's no denying that i suppose like the issue is that when we've actually targeted these players uh as uh you know Rhodes alluded to like are we, we targeting are we really targeting gaps in what we have already hmm. look james Lowe to me looks like the only one who's really head and shoulders above what what, what else is out there you know, he's the only one I can really see when I go, okay, well, look, he's, he is a good bit better than everyone else. But uh, like any other position I look at it, I think we have plenty, um, plenty of quality. So um, I just don't see a huge, a huge gap that really takes away from the team's ability to compete and to compete at the highest level. Yeah, well, is- to, be fair, to be fair, you were someone who was directly impacted by it. So obviously it's going to be something that you in particular will be hot on. Well, uh, yeah, no, it is that. Like I really tried to, look, it doesn't really... Does it impact my life now? No. Did I think it at the time? I was a bit like, Jesus, you know, yeah, look, he's, his running stats are unbelievable in training, but, like, every time we play against each other, like, <laughs> is there that much of a difference? I don't remember Ulster beating Leinster too often when we were playing. So, like, that kind of stuff, yeah, it did. Like, And I think lots of the other players will be thinking the exact same thing. If I was Conor Murray, I'd be thinking, well, like, I've played for the Lions. Like, I've done all these things. Can you really tell me he played that much better than me the last couple of weeks? And he, Murray's been very good for, for Munster this season so far. Um, you know, so, yeah, look, I don't know. And, like, John Cooney, like, he's just, you know, nearly man of the match every week. Would, would he be saying the same thing um, this week or thinking the same thing as, as what I was thinking at the time? I'm sure he would. Like, to my mind, it, it, it yeah, look, my own situation was that, and maybe I am tilted that way. Um but it probably hasn't. I'm more just trying to put myself in the guy's boots, and you know, and compare it to my own experience. And I'd have to say I see lots of comparisons. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting that we, I suppose, just as the rule is closed off, or I know they extended it, but in terms of the Irish uh, element of it, it's been closed off. We have, I suppose, a third of the team. But I was just just kind of finishing up on some other bits and pieces. Rudd, Autumn Nations Cup, Fiji, uh, their game against Italy has also been uh, cancelled after you know the outbreak in the Fijian squad. 
while like I said, the Ireland half of the draw, everything's moving along pretty well. The other half of the draw, there's been a couple of issues. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that this tournament is happening at all is a bit of a miracle, isn't it? And you know, all you have to do is look at the, the Irish football team to see what the havoc that COVID-19 is, is, can cause on a squad once it gets in there. And I think Fiji had 29 positive cases. Like, you know, that's that's incredible. And I feel really bad for them because they've got it, you know, did them and, and Georgia have been waiting for a shot at, at tier one opposition for so long. And, and Fiji in particular, you know, where they fit in the European competition, I'm not sure, but like, you know, that they deserve to be playing better teams because they have really good players. And I was really looking forward to seeing Rad Raja um, take on Francis Padre player Rumi Bakatawa uh, in, in Paris. I mean, that would have been an, an amazing, or sorry, it was in Van, wasn't it? That would have been an amazing kind of battle. Rad Raja is amazing and he would have really added to this tournament, which is kind of an odd thing anyway because it's happening behind closed doors and it doesn't really, you know, it'll never exist again. So, yeah, I think it just shows how precarious the whole situation is and, if we get if Ireland can get through this window of six games in seven weeks with all of them going ahead, you know things will have gone pretty well. We've we've had no we've had a couple of provincial cancellations so far, all on the side of the opposition. I think the RFU have run a pretty, you know, we've criticised them there for the project stuff. They've run this this their bubbles pretty well. I know we've had a couple of cases, but no outbreaks, and they've managed to put on every fixture and, and pull it off. Um, it's been all kind of uh, I think it's been the Dragons and Treviso really have held back the league um, through probably no fault of their own. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad for Fiji because, you know, if you watch that film and I haven't watched it yet, but, you know, we, it's, it's the Islanders can't catch a break really. They, they suddenly get proper games against proper op- opposition and they had a really good squad with lots of good players and now they can't play. So um, hopefully they all get well and, and none of them have serious implications from it. And this isn't their last chance. Hopefully, you know, this is an, an opportunity to get them in some sort of tournament or some sort of structure. And I know there's moves towards a Islander teams going into Super Rugby in the future, so hopefully, and um, they're not left in limbo. But yeah, it's just unfortunate, really, isn't it? Yeah, like Lou, it is very disappointing. As Rudd says, like there's been so much good work done in getting games played, and you know, I know it's other countries. I suppose there's been more games cancelled. Like France have had a good few top fourteen games uh, postponed, but from an Irish perspective, it's, it's gone, it's gone really, really well. And, and I suppose it's just disappointing that Fiji have come down, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, look, this thing is just a killer, isn't it? It's just it, it just transfers so easily, and particularly in a squad where you're kind of you might be sharing a rugby ball or sharing a gym or whatever you're doing in close confines, it obviously just rampages through the team. So yeah, like look, like to join Rhodes and wishing them all the best in terms of the recoveries and, and and hope no one is too badly impacted by this because it's if you know the even if you're not you know very sick with it, like some of the some of the uh, side effects are you know like the loss of taste and smell and and like the your some people lose the, the feeling in their fingers and stuff as well like kind of stuff that might affect your career so hopefully none of them are too badly impacted by it and we wish them all the best and again it looked that i haven't watched that that documentary either it's obviously caught the, the headlines a little bit because it's you know apparently it's uncovered some fairly uh unsavory goings on behind the scenes and i think it highlights how badly they've been the, the pacific islands have been treated uh over over the years um you know so we would like to see them included and, and, and more because because most of the like so many of the best players in the world have origins there, um. So we would like to see them included a bit more because I think they really add to it and and that's I think I'd like to see them treated well as well. So hopefully they all get better soon. They're included in the competitions going forward. Well, yeah. Just before we finish up, bro, the two kind of injury bits and pieces that I'd like to get your opinion on. Obviously, one is a phenomenal recovery. Dan Levy's going from strength to strength. He, I think he was man of the match on Monday Night Rugby when uh, Leinster. Absolutely crushed that Edinburgh kind of second team, but uh, if you know how how far 
how long do you think he is from making an impact back in an Ireland squad? Like he he looks sharp. He he'll need more minutes to get just the fitness base up. But you know, I know you you've talked a lot about how you know Ireland have been, have been missing him in the back row. Like, do you think he's a live option in in the in the near future? I was at the game on Monday um, and asked Leo Cullen about it afterwards, and I was fully expecting Leo Cullen to say, "I know, you know, we got to be patient, we got to take our time." He was like, um, "If he's able to do that against that Edinburgh pack, then he's pretty much ready to go." Um, which I was surprised by. Now he only got fifty-eight minutes in. Um, he'll probably get eighty against Cardiff for the weekend, hopefully, or maybe seventy. Ireland are playing Georgia the following week. That's a perfect opportunity in my mind to give him an international game. I wouldn't play him necessarily if they're playing France the week after, but maybe. You'd Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, Farrell has said he's going to broaden the net next week. I think we might see Harry Byrne, maybe Kieran Frawley. Um, we'll certainly see Ryan Baird, in, I think, um, for that game. It's a perfect opportunity to, to, to broaden the, or to deepen the playing pool a bit more. And what a story it would be if Dan Levy came back. And like the first, first night out, he was throwing himself around. But he, like, you know, obviously, it was first game back after blowing out his knee. It was never going to be any way perfect. But the time he tried to catch... The kick that was put ahead, he had no gas at all. And, you know, you always have a, a bit of a concern about whether a player is ever going to get back to that level because it's so difficult to do. But I thought on Monday night, accepting that it was the Pro 14 and that Leinster are just so dominant in that tournament, it's ceased to be in any way competitive. He was really electric and he caught the kick off and he barreled through three or four players. He had footwork. He won a turnover to, led to a try. He made some absolutely monster tackles. He looked like Dan Levy, and um, I'm not saying play him against England and Twickenham this weekend, but I think you gradually get him back in there, get it, just get him familiar with the with the the Carton House thing again, get him a game against even off the bench against Georgia, so that when you roll around, because obviously they've changed a few things since he's gone, you know, like Carl's taken over and they're playing a different game, and then you get him back a bit of Huntington Cup under his belt for Leinster, hopefully over the, and a few derbies over Christmas. And then he's ready to go for the Six Nations. I think that this seems like a bit of a plan there. They might hold off, just say, look, you stay with Leinster, get right. But um, yeah, I was surprised Leo Cullen was like, you know, I think he's ready, and that was uh, that was a big vote of confidence. Yeah, Luke, how would you manage that? Because like obviously Ireland in the back row have a lot of options, but but Dan Levy playing at his best is probably pretty close to to the top of the number seven list. Yeah, oh, no doubt, uh, he's outstanding, isn't he? Um, great to see. It takes a huge amount of work. I've been that soldier myself a few times, so it's great to see that he's been able to uh, to come back. I still feel, you know, I'm kind of a bit torn because there's a big step up, even in meters covered. I, I like the idea maybe of giving him a couple of minutes um, against Georgia and reintroduce him because I think if he wants to get on that Lions tour, which I'm sure would have been in his goals, um, he'll have to play the Six Nations. Um, so I think, yeah, having some kind of reintroduction into the squad could be very, very beneficial for him. Um, you know, he just needs, like for him now, it's going to be getting kind of, getting the fitness into the into the body there's a different kind of going week to week for games there's a there's a fitness that you need to build into your body training every single day it'll take him probably longer than most guys to get himself ready for training even so um yeah look i i probably would like to see him introduced there somewhere another guy look leaving aside the, the dan levy thing great to see him back and would hope to see him included at some point because i think he could play a big part in the six nations if he has an introductory period uh, with the irish team now the other guy you mentioned that I'd love to see, and I know it's kind of might be you might want to discuss it, but Frawley, like I just like everything about Frawley. I think I think they're playing him in the wrong position, and I just feel I just hope to God his career doesn't because he he's not to my mind he's not big enough to play twelve. Not in international rugby, you need to be an absolute brute to play twelve. Um, 
He's just not physical enough, but he looks like he could be an unbelievable 10. Um, I just really hope he's not, his career doesn't, you know, kind of stagnate because he doesn't get the chances there. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, did you, I, I was very impressed with, with the bits I saw of him, uh, Rhodes, uh, on the weekend, now, albeit against Edinburgh team that were getting marmalised, but. Well, it's, it's, no, it's no sooner that they, they kind of moved on Joey Carberry to prevent a logjam that another one has kind of popped up in its place. Like you have Frawley, 10 slash 12, you have Harry Byrne, you have Ross Byrne, obviously Johnny Sexton, Rory. It could be another David for a phone call in the near future. <laughs> well, like, I, I think Frawley's getting good game running experience there. It's not He's not playing 10, but a lot of what he's doing is the work of a 10. He, he was kicking the goals the other night even, but he, like they are doing that 10, 12, Owen Farrell, um, George Ford kind of thing. With, with himself and Harry Byrne and he is making decisions I know he's it's it, I know it's always going to be different at 12 I like the way they play there I do like the idea of a second distributor um, it's not the way Ireland have played for the last 10 years nearly you know the, it's it's nearly always either Bundyaki Robbie Henshaw in that 12 slot and they're much bigger men but I do like the way Byrne and Frawley kind of dovetail to get to, together there and, and they, they were ripping Edinburgh to shreds at times the other night and uh, you you do hear from within Leinster that the, the Burn and certainly within Ireland as well. I think Andy Farrell's a big Harry Byrne fan, so yeah. I think Frawley's just getting a lot of minutes at senior level under his belt. But yeah, like Ian Madigan can tell him a cautionary tale about being shit shunted around the back line and not really getting to. There's a few of them. Career really like like never seemed to be impacted by it was Mac Ido, but even still at the end he he ended up in ten all the time pretty much. Um, yeah, you know, I suppose uh, Dan Carter moved in from 12, but I don't know, I, I still think, yeah, I, I just hope to God he doesn't end up in a situation where, because and Harry Byrne looks like a serious prospect, but you look at someone like Frawley and you're kind of thinking, like, oh, like he, to my mind, he'd be a brilliant 10, like a really, really good 10. Love his decision-making on the line, doesn't overcomplicate. He is, a, he, like, for a 10, he would be a very good athlete. Because you can see he can play twelve and he can he can hold his own there. He's got nice footwork. He's a good tackler. Uh yeah. I'm worried about him. Worried his career kind of just drifts along in that you know he plays those roles and again you know against a team you might fancy or you might think oh we can go wide. You stick him in twelve. The rest of the time he ends up on the bench or not there. Um, where I think he's better than that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to monitor that one over the next couple of weeks and months. Rory, just before we get the predictions for the weekend, I know there's a cause, a good cause that you just want to give a bit of a shout out to. Yeah, I mean, people might have seen this on social media, but um, just a, in, in July, a, a tag rugby player called Philip Caldwell had a serious accident, life-changing accident, um, while playing tag. He, he played IAL for years. People around the Dublin rugby scene would know him. He played for Mary's, Black Rock and Lansdowne. Um, it left him paralysed from from uh, the neck down, pretty much. And he's been working his way back to rehabilitation to get some movement in his hand, movement, a bit of, you know, doing some walking. But he's in the National Rehabilitation Centre out in Dunleary, and uh, I spoke to him. I, um, I did a piece with him. It's going to be published on Saturday week, and it's uh, it'll paint a, a pretty grim picture of what he's going through. But he's very positive about it as well, and he's 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 in a really good mind frame about where he's going to go with it. But his friends and family have, have come up with a, a fairly unique way of trying to raise money to help with his rehabilitation. Once he's out of uh, the National Rehabilitation Hospital, they're trying to virtually sell the Aviva for that last All Nations Cup game. Um, on December fifth. So if, if there's more information about it, uh, on I think it's www sorry www fta four number four philly p h i l l y um dot com and it's uh, it's a great cause. He's a good he's a good guy and he's a good rugby man. I mean, um, I think they've raised 
over a hundred thousand already, but you know, the more they can get, the better. And and whatever he doesn't use is going to go into the uh, the RFU charitable trust, which goes to injured players in different sports as well. So if people could look that up, um, we have a piece in independently from the other day as well. But uh, yeah, like tragic accident. Um, thankfully he is making uh, he is kind of going through the rehabilitation steps and he's making good progress with it. But he will need help, and and the the rugby community has really railed or rallied in behind them as well. So it's really nice to see. Yeah, great to hear that he, he's made some positive steps and obviously we wish him all the best and I'd encourage ever, anyone listening to uh, to, to donate if, if they can. Um, okay, guys, just to finish up then, predictions for the weekend. The last couple of times Ireland played England, Rory, it has not gone well. How do you think it'll go this weekend? Yeah, I don't see it going particularly well. Um, I think they'll front up. I, th- I just don't see them being rolled over in the same way as say the World Cup game. I don't think it's going to get out of hand like it did that day, but sorry, the World Cup warm-up game. But I think they could lose by 20 points. Um, I think, it, you know, England have the capacity to hurt you in pretty much every department and they've had the upper hand in this fixture and Saracens have had the upper hand in this fixture. So, I think Ireland will score. They might even keep it to, you know, 10-15, but I, I just don't see it being... I think England will win comfortably in the end. Okay, Luke? Um, yeah, I think Ireland put up a good fight. Actually, um, you know, I think there's probably a few risk areas. You know, you know, Ronan Keller obviously would be probably you know really nervous about the throwing, and obviously the calling and the lineup was an area where uh, you might be a little bit concerned on that side as well. Um, you know, and then the scrum is another area possibly where you know just when I'm thinking back in the Saracens game because I think you know there's lots of Leinster guys in the pack. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm concerned about a few, but if they get those things right, and I think if they can manage the ferocity that England, you know, have have brought in the last couple of fixtures defensively, um, I you know I I think that they could run them tight. But if not, I think it could be again a comfortable win for England. Twenty points, I think, isn't is is something I probably agree with that. I think they could be very comfortable if they don't if they get the like if the set piece goes well, um, and it and it you know it can go well, um, you know, I, I think Ireland will have a really good chance of being you know close enough on um at the end of it yeah no i, I think that yeah yeah well it's so set up to be an interesting game either way either it'll be a great kind of check mark on the development of annie farrell's team or we'll be having the same conversation we've had after the last couple of england games and worrying where to go from here well we're always getting yeah uh, getting blamed for hyping up the team so they can't they can't hold that against <laughs> us this time yeah <laughs> they're doing this wrong this week well the last time Luke predicted Ireland were going to get hammered I think they beat the All Blacks so hopefully like there's some sort of good karma kind of coming there across it hopefully I'm wrong well guys <laughs> until next week Luke Roy thanks so much for joining me cheers guys cheers lads that's all we have time for on the left wing this week thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with another podcast in the meantime you can listen to us on iTunes SoundCloud or on independent.ie so until next week thanks for listening and goodbye